at the time I was, you know, 25, half the guys were in like, you know, their thirties, forties at the time. And, and I yeah. was, you know, way younger. Yeah. I was like, oh, how am I going to relate to these guys? Um, didn't matter. I saw myself in them. They saw themselves in me. And that's a tremendous gift. If I could give you one message that could dramatically shift the direction of your life, I would tell you to visualize a world in which there was no judgment for the decisions you've made in the past, in which you weren't paralyzed by fear and you could make decisions that were in alignment with the life you desire to live. One in which you could speak only the truth of what exists on your heart. I would tell you to look at the life you're living now and reflect deeply on what you really wish could change. And then have you look down at the life you just created and the life you're living now. And I'd get real close and I'd look you in the eye. That type of look that says, this is too important to let pass. Your life is too important to let pass. And I'd lean in and with your full attention on me and those two life paths, I'd say, you choose. Welcome to the You Choose podcast. I'm your host, Billy Garson Jr. I'm a former division one and professional athlete turned men's mental health advocate. I'm a transformation coach, public speaker, and I'm the proud founder of the You Choose movement, which exists to equip young men with the tools and techniques to choose a life that is in alignment with their highest self. It is my greatest honor and privilege to be with you today. The young man who is in a period of great transition in his life, who's asking questions and seeking answers. And on this podcast, through a series of interviews with professional athletes, men's coaches, and self-help gurus, we aim to educate, equip, and inspire you to bridge the gap between where you are and where you aspire to be. So listen deeply and find yourself in the stories of those who've sat in your shoes and now walk in the areas in which you wish to walk. I was 23, nursing a freshly broken heart in recovery from an extremely codependent relationship. My self-doubt and self-hatred hung over me like a thick, dark cloud. My ordinary soul searching had become more of an intentional hunt. And in my quest for insight and wisdom, I encountered something that little did I know would change the course of my life. I came across my first men's group and an invitation to participate in a year-long rite of passage. It was with these men that I came to revisit places in myself that I had rejected and disowned. To start the process of feeling the feelings I had stuffed down. It was in being witnessed in the places I least wanted to be seen that I found belonging, a settling into my skin, a connection to my innate power, and a path forward that gifted me a profound sense of meaning, direction, and fulfillment. Those are the words of our guest today, who has spent the past 20 years working with teachers, mentors, coaches, therapists, and healers for his own desire to self-actualize and to be of true service to humanity. Soma Miller is a men's leadership coach, a social entrepreneur, and an agent for our collective awakening on planet Earth. He's the founder of The Essential Man, which exists to support high-performing men in leaning into their growth edges 
so they can level up their relationships, career, physical, mental, and emotional health. Soma's story and journey is one that fascinates me. As they say, we all have two communities, the one that builds us and the one that we build. And today you'll hear from the man himself on the power of community, the importance of shining light on the parts of you that have been kept in the dark for so long and how to access your unique gifts to live and lead a life that is in alignment with your heart's deepest desires. So yet again, listen deeply and find yourself in the story of a man who has sat in your shoes as he helps you bridge the gap between where you are and where you aspire to be. So without further ado, Soma Miller, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Really great to be here with you, Billy. Amazing. Well, Soma, I read something about you. It was a quote, and I want to begin with this today. Uh, I read, it says, my deep dedication to this work is in service to my daughter and the generations that follow her. That statement alone speaks volumes into the importance of this work and also the challenge that I see we as men face in bringing this work to light in today's day and age. And I'd love for you to touch on the importance of this work, not only for the men and us ourselves, but for how important it is in how we show up in our relationships and to humanity beyond our own personal growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what a, what a powerful way to start. And um, it, it really is the foundation of what I do because, you know, everything to me is, is built on relationships. We, we can't not be in relationship to mm-hmm. life itself, you know, through humans, through, you know, the, the, un, the relationships that often go unseen that support our lives just by the, the food that we eat, how we're supported by the forces of nature. And I feel like this is a, a real pivotal piece in our collective consciousness that is not acknowledged enough. Mm-hmm. You know, it's maybe starting to a little bit, like there's a little bit more consciousness around it with climate change and the, the changes that we need to be making. But the way I see it is everything that we do, how we show up in the world, um, where we spend our money, how we spend our time, you know, even comes down to the, the thoughts we think mm. on, on that very micro subtle level It has an impact, it has a ripple effect. And I think one of the biggest pieces of work in stepping into like a mature masculinity is being sensitive and enough to to feel our impact in the world to have that awareness of our impact on our children our partners our friends the work that we do and and tracking that yeah is crucial to really literally our collective survival at this point. What have you seen to be the impact both negatively and then inversely negatively in relation to when this work isn't done, right? The impact that men have on this world and inversely to that, when the work is done through community, through connection, through courageous conversation, 
what is the impact that we as men have on the world? Yeah. Um, you know, I think if, if we're really honest, it's pretty apparent the impact of, you know, I'm just going to put it in a pretty simple way, the lack of consciousness and consciousness, right? Which to me, consciousness is seeing how we're showing up in the world and taking ownership of that. And, you know, the unconscious ripple effect of men that are not willing to take ownership of their impact is, you know, we see it in like big corporate enterprises that are, you know, end up being based on just this capitalist system that is, is, you know, almost like a self perpetuating organism that just needs to kind of keep usurping power and, and taking, you know, it's this mm -hmm. kind of dominator model of masculinity where it is, it's based on, self like what can i do to to look after myself and you know ensure that i have i mean it comes down to real primal things like survival yeah. right but when it goes to the point where like you know there's multi-billionaires in the world and they're just kind of putting things in their treasure trove obviously there's there's a lack of awareness of what it is that got them there you know the the people in sweatshops like making shit that we're, we're all buying you know yeah. and um and then the environmental impact of that so you know until this and this is just my personal perspective until we can really recognize that and i'm not like impeccable in my choices you know i, I do my best and it's 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 a tricky um, way to navigate with a lot of integrity because, yeah. it, you know, society makes it very difficult to, to make certain choices that, you know, are for the greater good. And, and that's really the difference is like, am I focused on this momentary satisfaction? What's going to help me to feel better, more fulfilled in, in the moment? Or am I looking at the bigger picture, you yeah. know? And I think that's, the other direction is like the men that are doing the work, they are able to have the sensitivity to, to see that bigger picture. And, and they see that, you know, just how they show up, how they communicate that they're, you know, bringing their, the truth of their hearts into their relationships. And to me, like it gets very granular, but this is, where it begins is yeah. you know, our, our immediate impact on our, on the people that we're connected with. And, and when we can start to really, um, again, a lot of it to me comes down to responsibility and ownership. And, and I think that's the hardest piece for a lot of men because, um, what drives, so many men at their core is a, it's a core shame, a core feeling of unworthiness. And, and that's, that's what drives certain men to like want to, you know, populate Mars, right? Because they, you know, they want to feel good about themselves. They want to feel powerful. And, um, except the, there's, there's different kinds of power, right? Yeah. And, 
And we've been conditioned around this kind of power over model versus a power with, like a, wow. a collective empowerment, which is comes back to that. Is this for the greater good? Yeah. Is this in service? Yeah. I love that. And one of the things that came up and I was going to go in the direction that you took it, and I'd like to dive deeper there, which is, is it born out of fear? Is our behavior towards selfishness and, and greed and wanting more, is it born out of a fear of being alone, a fear of not having enough, a fear of losing everything, a fear that is constantly present in our lives of maybe not being seen? Would you say that's a huge proponent of why we as men feel as though we have to almost prove ourselves and keep going and, and, and be these, the dominant force in society? Yeah, hundred percent. It's born born out of that fear, and you know, so it, we can we can you know judge that and look at it as a negative thing, or we can you know the work I'm I'm doing with men is because we all have these parts of us. We all have these kind of shadow sides that are driven by fear and scarcity and shame, and so rather than condemning them, which is sort of what religion tends to do is to kind of have this black and white thinking mm -hmm. it's um when we can learn to acknowledge our fear and recognize that it's it's based in these very primal like the animal part of us that is trying to get certain needs met you know and we all have the need to be recognized we all have the need to be seen supported connected and most of us, due to, you know, certain inadequacies in our developmental years, didn't, didn't get those needs met. So when those needs aren't met uh, and we're kind of wired around this absence, then we'll spend our entire lives trying to fill those voids in unconscious ways. And But the ways that we try to do that aren't really effective, you know, they're not really, um, the medicine that we need. Can you speak into some of those, some yeah. of those ways? Well, I mean, some of those ways are like the, the drive to, you know, succeed and make more money. Like, and the, again, there's nothing wrong with that in and of itself. Like, but it's, it's what is driving us. Right. Mm. So, um, it could be how we're approaching sexual connection, right. A lot of men will use, uh, you know, heterosexual men will use women to fill their void. You know, like the more women I can sleep with, you know, the more of a rock star I am. Right. Mm. Um, uh, sometimes it's substance, um, pornography. Um, you know, there's right now we've got like social media, dating apps. There's, there's lots of ways we can, give ourselves this like kind of temporary feel good dopamine hits, mm. but they're not really nourishing us at a core level. Mm. Wow. I want to, I want to go in a roundabout way of addressing these topics. And, and what I'd yeah. like to do is I'd like to bring it back to you. Obviously my audience are heavily consists of young men, right? And reading into your story, I want to hear about this 23-year-old man with a, with a freshly broken heart. I want to hear about what was going on in his life, physically, mentally, 
emotionally. And if you would, I'd love to just, I'd love for you to breathe life into the young man listening to this that may be going through something similar. Yeah, I will. Um, you know, I'm, I'll be 43 this year. So, um, this was quite a long time ago, different generation, different era. Um, but maybe some of the same kinds of desires coming forth. And, and so, you know, I think at the time I was fundamentally looking for direction in my life and, um, maybe I was unique. I don't, I don't know, but I, at the time, you know, I, I had certain experiences that woke me up to some of the awareness around what I'm speaking to right now, just seeing how, you know, kind of destructive our culture can be. And, you know, I think some of the most profound experiences for me around that time were, um, taking some time traveling and, and seeing, seeing the U S and seeing a lot of the beautiful wild environments, you know, got out, got into backpacking and, and it, it really showed me how beautiful nature is. You know, I kind of fell in love. Like I had my, my mind blown just at how exquisite these wild places were and, and, and I'd already had an awareness of like, you know, and we're not really honoring the beauty of the natural world, but it became even more clear. And, and so I, I felt lost. Like what, like I didn't really want to go and just like plug in and get a job and be a part of the system. And, and so I started looking for alternatives, you know, alternative ways of, uh, existing on planet earth. And, and, you know, my openness led me to lots of new ideas that were not consistent with mainstream culture and what, you know, most of us have access to. And mm -hmm. so I, you know, I got interested in, um, alternative healing modalities, you know, like acupuncture and started practicing yoga and, started, I changed my diet, you know, from like a standard American diet to eating all organic food. And, um, and I just, you know, I started to come more into my truth. Um, and, and I think there was still some, there were still some elements missing. Like, you know, I, part of me wanted to figure it all out, you know, <laughs> like figure out how can we humans live differently? And, you know, I, I put a lot of the pieces together. Another one was looking at something called permaculture design, which really inspired me, which was a, a system of living, you know, more intimately in relationship with the natural world and, and, you know, creating sustainable living systems. Um, so, you know, within that, I realized also there, there was a need for community and relationships. And, and so I, around 21, I found myself, um, on the big island of Hawaii and I had gone out there to kind of, uh, just fully immerse myself in all of 
these things I've been learning about, you know, I found a, an actual intentional community that was practicing a lot of these things. And, um, you know, on, on that journey, you know, um, I got into my first serious relationship and, um, and it didn't go well. <laughs> um, you know, it went well for a little while. And then I realized, um, you know, I, I mean, I found myself in this very disempowered, putting this woman on a pedestal place and, um, afraid to own my truth, afraid to ask for what I need. And, and I stayed in this relationship for a long time. And, um, to the point where I, you know, finally had the courage to walk away. And that, that was right around the point of what you shared at the beginning of this interview with that story of, you know, how I found my way into my first men's group. You know, I think having, having that space to get in touch with myself on a deeper level gave me the courage to uh, let the relationship go and recognize mm. that, you know, I wasn't really getting my needs met there. And, um, and coming out of that, it, you know, it was a painful process, Yeah. but it gave me an opportunity to feel some things that I hadn't felt, you know, somewhat emotionally numb at the time. Yeah. Um, you know, I kind of trained myself to not express certain emotions and, you know, within this container of men, I was invited and given permission to bring those parts of me. Mm. Yeah. You know, I'm so excited for the next phase of this conversation because yeah. what you're speaking on right now is a, a journey that I lived too. And I know many men are living right now in the respect that I too, for a long period of time, sat in a relationship that I knew was not working, yet I stayed yet I stayed. And a lot of the men that I come across are sat in relationships yet that they know innately are not working, yet they stay. And one of the things that you spoke into there, you said, I wasn't able to speak my truth, almost felt as though you were being overpowered, I would suggest in my experience of you in, in many ways. And I'd love you to, having done the work on yourself now, I'd love you to touch on why you were allowing that to happen in your life. Yeah. That's a great question. Um, I think fundamentally it comes down to, I so desperately wanted to be loved, you know, and I, I, you know, maybe it was my childhood conditioning had a story that, you know, I needed to sacrifice or compromise or, you know, do this or that in order to be loved and accepted. And you know, I think this ties a lot into what I was speaking to earlier. A lot of us are hungry for this deep unmet needs and we'll do all kinds of things and turn ourselves over backwards to try to get those needs met. But, you know, often they're ineffective. And yeah, I think fundamentally I, you know, it's not like I couldn't own my truth. I just was afraid to. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I was in relationship to, 
to a woman that was maybe more empowered than I was at the time. But there was a way that I was offering my power to her. Right? Mm. I was making her more important than myself. Mm. And I imagine that's a common experience, you know, yeah. especially in the, the falling in love is like we see somebody beautiful and they have something that lights us up and inspires us. And, you know, maybe at a certain certain stages of development, it, it can um, we want to prove ourselves so much to them that we're worthy of their love that, you know, we start to kind of do this dance of accommodating, thinking, mm. oh, if I only do this, if I only do that, then they'll love me. I don't know if you can relate to that. I 100% relate. I 100% relate. And, and first and foremost, thank you for, for sharing that. What's coming up for me right now that I've contemplated a lot and, and really where I want to take this right now is I feel as though we as men, we struggle similarly to women in relationship with our enoughness. And it is our inability to express that we struggle with our enoughness that causes it to remain suppressed for so long. And in turn, we resort to these things that you were speaking on before, alcohol, abuse of drugs, violence, assault, pornography, as it comes from the suppression of what we really are incapable of feeling, like you shared there, that hits so hard for me, something I've been working through for probably the past 36 months, which is the craving for love and to be feel to feel as though people see me in all of me and I don't have to go outside of myself to find this form of love. So how does that shift for you? What, what has to change in order for a man to feel as though he has that enoughness inside of him so that he doesn't have to run and chase and hide and, and do all of these things that feel so abnormal to who he is innately to find love? Mm. Yeah, great question. Yeah, and I'm just going to add one more layer to that. Maybe I haven't spoken to it directly, but, you know, there is there is something that I see in a lot of men is this desire to like compensate for, um, I don't feel enough. So I'm going to, you know, get this nice car or, um, you know, make a bunch of money on the stock market. So, um, so the shift for me, and, you know, I think everybody's journey may be a little bit different around this. Um, but it wasn't until I, started to choose myself and value myself actionably, you know, not just like mentally and emotionally, those were both important as well, but, um, by making choices that, uh, were aligned with my truth, what felt right for me, which often has meant setting boundaries um, to be able to and willing to be in the the tension of a potential conflict, right? Or confrontation. Not that it necessarily needs to escalate to anything like that, but just the, the willingness to hold my ground for what I need has been 
massive. And, um, the, you know, the term I would use to describe that is living with integrity. And my definition of integrity is, you know, when a, when a person is like deeply in touch with their values, um, what's most important to them and, and they, they make choices to orient around that it becomes almost like a compass, right? And sometimes that means we got to say no to certain things. Sometimes we, we need to say yes to certain things. And, you know, it's, it's these daily choices that, um, in my experience, help me to return to my center and and that's an act of self-love for me yeah returning to your center i love that when you say returning to your center in these daily choices can you speak into those daily choices like what what explicitly were those daily choices that you were making maybe the men's group supported you in in coming back to that to find this self-love yeah, I mean those those choices have have changed over the years, and you know, it, so it's a, it's a you know it's a moving integrity is a moving target, and yeah. it requires a consistent relationship to that awareness. And but it's you know it's included everything from like a personal practice, like um, for me, I've done a lot of yoga in my life, meditation, journaling. Um, eating properly for my body, yeah. what my body needs. Um, so, th- you know, those, those are like the core choices around, you know, choosing myself first and then, you know, recognizing that when my cup is full, then I can, I can give out, you know, mm-hmm. um, whereas, it, you know, at times in my life, I, in I think this was occurring in that relationship at the time, like I gave first, you know, I, I gave to other thinking that if I give to other first, then, then I'm going to get filled up that way. So it's, this is something that um, is called a covert contract. You know, it's something that happens in kind of codependent relationships. And it's where we give to get, we have certain needs that we have and we, you know, quietly unconsciously often exchange our services to get those needs met um and so yeah so just coming back to some of those those core ways of choosing myself um i think just for me it's become more about taking the time to listen to myself on a daily basis sometimes that means my my inner child you know Mm -hmm. my inner child might might need to play you know like uh as I become an entrepreneur and a lot of my purpose is oriented around the work that I do in the world, which for the most part is very aligned, but I can lose myself in that process even and forget that, yeah, I still have these other parts of me and these other needs. And if I'm not paying attention to them, I'm going to burn out. You know, Mm. I'm still neglecting certain aspects of me, you know, the part of me that needs to be, creatively nourished right the part of me that needs certain kinds of relationships to feed me yeah and so it's you know it's definitely an ongoing 
practice and awareness. Yeah. One of the things that we preach and that I preach within the, on this podcast and, and in the you choose movement and, and the brotherhood and is we have this concept of Tuesday, right? Where we take the day Tuesday and we turn it into Tuesday. Uh, and you fill your cup so much on Tuesday that it overflows throughout the rest of the week until mm. the next Tuesday. Uh, and one, the reason I did this and the reason I began this for myself before I did within the community was because I found that I wasn't filling my cup because I felt selfish for doing so. Mm. And so my question for you would be, how does one choose themselves without feeling innately selfish for putting them first? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question because I think that often stands in the way for a lot of men. Um, I think men are largely conditioned around self-sacrifice. And, you know, this could be women too in their own version of that. Um, you know, it's a cultural thing. Uh, we, you know, sometimes find our value in what we do or offer, which it, it's, you know, it, it might seem to contradict some of what I shared earlier around, you know, how, you know, we're, we're looking after what is in the collective good. Um, but I think when people are, you know, become kind of egocentric in their motives, they're, they're actually not that in touch with themselves on a deeper level. And, and so I think when we choose ourselves, you know, it's, you know, might be useful to recognize it, that it's, and you, you might need to like use an experiment to see like how, when you choose yourself, you actually see the benefit to others, right? Mm. And you recognize that it's not really selfish, right? Like when you sit down in, in the morning and meditate or your one day a week where you go, you know, play Frisbee with your buddies, um, you're probably going to recognize that you know, your temperament is more calm, that you're more emotionally available to connect with others, that um, you feel more generous because you feel taken care of, right? And and sometimes we have to test it out, right? Yeah. And recognize that, oh, this is actually for the benefit of everyone. One of the things that I'm hearing so much of from you today which I love and I think it contradicts a lot of the ways that we as men think we're going to heal is to go out and do, right? You've spoken a lot about going out in nature and going out and traveling and going to a men's group and going out and exploring and trying. And I think so many of us sit behind, well, if I did this, this would happen without actually going and testing the waters. And what I'm hearing from you is a lot of this change and transformation comes from standing up, and going and testing these things and seeing for yourself how it affects and, and shapes your life. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Something that's really alive for me because I'm, I'm running a men's program and we're, we're on the final module, which is, is about integration. And, and it's a lot of the work we've done up to this point has been around gaining insight into our habits, our patterns, you know, our sort of unconscious strategies and awareness and insight is powerful and useful and important. But if we don't learn to apply that in the world, in our lives, then things aren't going to shift. Things aren't going to change. Mm. So it's, 
they, they go together. Yeah. And, um, and, and so, you know, I think we are being conditioned right now with just how much of our lives have come to this online type of platform to, um, to, I think, become less active in real life and, and sort of expect things to shift just by like double tapping on, (laughs) you know, I mean, I, I'm sure we don't like consciously think that, but I think part of our brain is, is being conditioned to believe things can happen that easily. You know, we've got these like miracle devices in our hands and, um, I think it disconnects us from reality a little bit. Yeah, so much so, so much so. I completely, I'm in alignment with that. I want to again shift gears a little bit, and I want to touch on this men's group that you were plugged into and that you found. Me being a young man myself, me plugging myself into men's groups over the past couple of years, and now running one myself for for young men, I want to really hear from you. What about that group shifted so much for you? What were the core things that you can look back on and say, wow, these were what helped me shift so much in my life? Yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, there's really so many layers to it because, you know, I've been involved in men's groups now for, for close to two decades. And, um, and it's been an evolution. Um, and yeah, so I know a lot of media and marketing wants to have this like silver bullet thing that's like, boom, you know, six weeks and your life has changed. (laughs) Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I've been involved in lots of different types of men's groups uh, that the first community of men that I was involved with for almost 15 years, um, I think that the greatest gift that I received from that was uh, having my emotional experience validated. Number one, that it was okay to be a man and to have emotions and to feel things. Uh, Number two, um, helped me to restore trust in other men. I think a lot of men unconsciously kind of compete and compare and, um, you know, size each other up. And it helped me to see the commonalities in men of all different walks of life. At the time I was, you know, 25, half the guys were in like, you know, their thirties, forties at the time. And and I was, you know, way younger. I was like, how am I going to relate to these guys? Um, didn't matter. I saw myself in them. They saw themselves in me. And that's a tremendous gift. Wow. Um, what else? Um, Can we touch on just, that one? Can we touch yeah, on yeah. that? I think, I think that's a beautiful thing to touch on, which is just feeling seen and finding yourself in the stories of other men. We talk about that a lot on, on this podcast. And I'd love to understand how that came about. Was it through, through shared storytelling? Was it through consistent communication? Was it through the validation through words that were used? How did you feel and see that you were understood in that environment? Yeah. Yeah. I would say it came through men sharing their stories, but 
the more the more vulnerably that they were able to bring their stories because you know there's a way that we can bring our stories as a protective mechanism and there's a way that we can share our stories with depth that draw people closer to us and in those moments and it wasn't always but in those moments where a man really brought himself um it's you know it's kind of hard to put to words but um yeah, seeing how at the core you know these kind of core longings these core vulnerabilities these core wounds how much of them are this kind of consistent vein that runs through all men mm. and and there's just that in itself is validating right just saying like because a lot of men believe that they're alone right a lot of men are isolated because they believe that they're the only ones with issues they're the only ones that struggle they're the only ones that are you know quote unquote fucked up um so you know just just being in an environment where men brought their struggle mm. was incredibly validating i think in our fucked upness as 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 you use there i i, I find that myself for a long time felt as though I needed some insane journey to fix it. And I have been on an insane journey and the journey's forever, right? However, like you're sharing there, and I'm a massive believer and proponent of this as well, so often it just takes plugging in and talking to let mm -hmm. go. And so many realizations I've noticed in my short time doing this just come from that. Just from having the space, the safe space to feel as though you can talk and from hearing from other men. Is there a way in which you go about, I think this is a question I've been asking for a long time. Is there a way in which you go about bringing men to a space where they feel comfortable enough to share. Because so many, so many men are so tightly wound, and this was me for so long, that we can sit in these environments and we'll hide and hide and hide and hide. And how do you go about bringing a man, bringing a man to a place where you feel safe enough to, to let out? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and, it, you know, I think it's different for different men and it can be a bit of a process um some of some of it a lot of the work that i do and this is you know something that i was going to mention before of what yeah. i've taken from men's work is um you know this kind of second phase of study that i went into was the study of embodied practice and you know particularly embodied spiritual practice mm. and what happens in our minds happens in our bodies. So our whole developmental path from childhood, you know, for the first like seven years really shapes us for our lives. And, and all those memories and experiences and, you know, coping mechanisms that we developed at that stage to try to get our needs met, stay with us in our bodies, right? So how we carry ourselves through the world, how we show up, the depth of our breath, um, our capacity to speak our truth, 
in an unabashed way is is um, reflected in our bodies and and so I always start with embodiment because men want to figure things out and that figuring things out that fixing often is mentally based it's in the mind and and so when we can get a man to drop into his body with a practice like breath work or you know some gentle yoga he starts to feel more right the energy in his body starts to move you know everything that's kind of been locked up it can start to move more freely and it primes him to be able to speak more openly more vulnerably wow i love that can you touch deeper on that like you said you bring people in and, and you start with embodiment. I'm fascinated by this. We often leave embodiment to the last piece of the puzzle, right? And I love that you've almost flipped it flipped it on its head in, in many regards. Can you touch deeper on that? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, this is just my, my direction with it simply because I, I see it's, it's easy for men to speak from here up, you know, and to not be in their hearts. And, and sometimes, uh, doing, you know, an intense practice, uh, gets us into the present moment, gets us feeling. And, um, in a way it helps us to access some of the things that may have been suppressed. And, um, and it's, you know, sometimes there's feelings, sensations, energies that we can't necessarily even put to words, right? The, the, because, you know, our, our human language, particularly the English language, is, is limited to the truth of our experience. Um, and so it's, it's not always easy. So, you know, traditional cultures would use, you know, dance and you know, music as ways to, to keep the, ener- the life force energy in us moving. Mm-hmm. And, and so when we begin with embodiment, we make a man more available to himself, number one. And when he's more available to himself, he can then express from a, a deeper truth, a deeper well mm-hmm. of beingness. I love that. Would you suggest that that's a beautiful way for a man outside of a men's group when he feels stuck to release that stuck emotion as well? Yeah, 100%. I, I think that you don't necessarily need to have a men's group and you can start to open yourself up um, through, you know, there's tons of yoga available. Uh, there's lots of breath work happening these days. And yeah. it's it's a great way to um, yeah, come back into, into contact what, what I find is, you know, a lot of us are living in these kind of stories of who we are and these kind of identities. And when we get underneath all that to the core of us at the, you know, fundamental stillness that exists within us, we, um, there's, there's something truer and more real and more whole at that core. Mm. And, but it takes kind of getting underneath the layers, but we could get there in five minutes with some powerful breath work. Mm. And, and it's, you know, it's so useful if we spend a lot of time thinking and living up here, you know? 
how do you know we've touched on your you're spending a lot of time journaling and reading and spending time in nature and and at the same time spending a lot of time with community um a vulnerable moment i suppose for me here is that i've spent a lot of my life struggling with the balance and i don't believe a lot in balance but struggling with the balance of when to plug into community and when to sit by myself and and navigate these relationships myself and i've often found myself abusing the power of community what by thinking that i need community when often it's my need to sit in the discomfort of what i'm feeling and vice versa sometimes i will sit in the discomfort of what i'm feeling for far too long when in reality i need to be around people and it's caused me a lot of pain and so one of the things that i'd like to hear from you and and understand is is there a method in which you go about knowing when you need to sit alone and when you need community yeah it's a good question and yeah like i mentioned earlier like in any good thing can um become a vice in itself right so mm-hmm. i don't um condone anything you know yeah. that like it's everything could be in service to us in a moment and and so it's it's really the approach and where where we're coming from what's driving us um that really makes all the difference and and that approach i think it could be different for different people for me it's just taking the time to sit with myself and connect with myself even if it's like 5 minutes right and and you know asking the question like what do i need right now mm. and, and learning to trust that response right mm. and and that could take time to learn to trust that it could take the time you know, of just testing it right like is this really my true inner guidance but you know what it comes down to for me is is a real sense of inner knowing mm. and and there's a quality of sensation to that when i feel like i'm in contact with it that you know in my body feels just clear right there's 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 a there's a sense of no static and um and you know my mind might still get into like ruminating questioning overthinking but when it's true there's a relaxed quality to it and and that's why that's another benefit and value of being in our bodies and being in touch with our bodies because it helps us to access these subtle awarenesses that support us in making more aligned choices right we can feel like where where does a yes show up like where where in my body physically what is the sensation of a yes mm. um and what's the sensation of a no mm. it was shared to me and told to me once really you should always go with the first feeling how true is that statement to you is that is that statement only true when you've built a relationship with trust within yourself or is that true innately yeah i mean personally i try to avoid like you know platitudes and you know ideas that like this is only this way so yeah. so i would say you know um i'm not going to answer that okay. <laughs> yeah um yeah yeah so i i would just invite 
men that are listening to, yeah, just to try that out. I mean, I think that can often be true. I think, I think that when we are, um, second guessing ourselves, it, it just, it starts to fuzz out that channel of truth. Mm. And so, yeah, I would say initially that impulse is very powerful and it mm. will probably be the most revealing in general, wow. but you know, it doesn't mean something can't come later. Right? Yeah. 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 So my, one of the things that I want to really get a deeper understanding of from you is something that I've been working through recently over the past few months, which is how I process anger. Mm. How I process anger in my life. Uh, something that I, for so long, as I tapped more and more into my feminine, I feel as though I almost shut off this, this anger inside of me that turned into deep rage and then I held in for so long. Mm. Um, how have you learned to process anger? Yeah, it's a good question. And it's been coming up a lot for me lately. And, um, you know, I, I'm still learning to work with anger. For me, it's been um, a lifelong practice, something, you know, dealt with since childhood, sort of a lot of anger and reactivity has come through me. And, you know, there's, there's different ways that I navigate it. Um, mm. There are and certainly tools that are body-based, like, uh, you know, bioenergetics, certain yoga practices that can, can help move out residue of old anger, you know, old unprocessed stuff from the past. Mm. And I think that's really foundational. Uh, something I talk about in my work a lot is getting emotionally current, right? So a lot of us like you said, have, have stuff that's kind of built up, you know, we kind of pack it in the back room and then, you know, somebody cuts us off in traffic and, you know, we blow up at them or our partners, right. Cause they didn't wash the cup <laughs> completely. Right. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's not really the source of our anger. Right. So there's, so learning to, get down to the core of the anger um, and having a, a container. And what I mean by container is just a, an intentional space where we can viscerally move that. And sometimes we might not even know where the old anger is from, but we just need spaces to move it. And that could be like with a, with a punching bag, right? Where we just go full out and just let it rip, you know? Um, I, I do some practices where I have men just pound pillows or, or throw like a, an, an adult tantrum, right? Mm. Um, and, you know, it might seem silly to some men, but it, it, you know, we have the same mechanism as a five-year-old to move energy that never changes. And, and so, you know, children, are more in touch with their bodies. And so they actually know how to let emotions flow so we can learn something from them. And, and so, you know, bringing that into a practice, especially if we feel ourselves getting kind of edgy or agitated easily, it can help clear some stuff. Wow. Um, and I, you know, the other thing I would add about anger is anger is often expressed when 
a certain need isn't met or a boundary is crossed. And, and so it's really important for us as men to get clear on what our needs are, mm. get better at setting boundaries. Mm. And because um, anger, you know, is useful. It's giving us that information. Mm. And sometimes it, it does need to be expressed in relationship. But the question is, are we expressing something that's relative to the actual experience that's happening? Or is there this whole backlog of anger that we're carrying on our shoulders that is being channeled through somebody cutting us off or somebody not cleaning the mug, right? Um, so that's really important to, to be honest about. And, um, and sometimes men are so out of touch in their, with their anger that they don't even recognize that they are being angry. Um, like, you know, maybe they're not having this extreme outward expression of it, but in relationship, their partner was like, well, what the fuck, you know, like <laughs> you just looked at me in this way. Right. So yeah. we can, if, if we're not intimate with our anger, it's going to come out subtly sometimes, you know, maybe even in passive aggressive ways, Yeah, but it, it still felt as a force. Mm. Know, because our nervous systems are very sensitive, mm. especially when we get into intimate relationships. So um, just even a, a look in our eyes or a, a slight tone shift in our voice, yeah. it's, it's moving through us. And, wow. and so, you know, it's very important to take feedback from our environment so we know how we are showing up. And if we keep getting that kind of feedback. And I've been through that a lot in relationships. Like I, I wasn't angry, you know, mm. like, <laughs> just kind of be in denial of it. Mm. Um, but learning to trust that the impact that we're having on other people and the reflection we're getting is really crucial mm. to sometimes having awareness of our own experience. Is the speed at which we move through our emotion, is that considered success? And the reason I ask is because you compared, and I love how you compared the way children process emotions, right? And how much we can learn from how they process emotions, right? Mm -hmm. Kids tend to, at a rapid rate, go from anger to happiness, to frustration, to sadness, to laughter, all in the space of two minutes, right? right? Is, yeah. is that the goal? I mean... I've never really considered that. And I think it's a, it's a good consideration. Um, and, you know, I would say yes, in the sense that, yeah, we can, we can certainly make the process very, very delayed and incomplete because we don't necessarily have spaces as adults to, express ourselves with that being said you know we have a different responsibilities as adults so yeah. certain you know laying down in the <laughs> supermarket because somebody you know that's what i was just last uh, <laughs> thing of bread you know like laying down and throwing a fit <laughs> might not be the best thing to do 
Um, but maybe when we get home, right? Yeah. If it really impacted us. So, um, so I, I think there is some truth in what you're saying and it is important to, um, create those spaces where we Mm. can express ourselves. And, and, uh, you know, I'm not saying this is the only way to process emotions and angers. It's not anger. It's not, it's not always an outward expression. Sometimes Mm. the tool is to just sit with it, you know, Mm. to really be a hundred percent present with it and whatever we can fully be with emotionally in our bodies, you know, feeling the sensations being a hundred percent there, breathing into them will eventually dissolve, will mm. eventually become something else. Mm. This is why I find plugging into men's groups and a group of men that can support you is so crucial and so important because we often aren't given permission in our innate environments to process emotions in the way that we would like to, right? Coming home and throwing a tantrum in the environment of your family often might seem weird, unaccepted, not understood. And plugging into these communities like you're talking about and these men's groups gives you permission to process in a way that you maybe otherwise wouldn't have the opportunity to do so. So, um, yeah, well said. Mm -hmm. Last question. So, man, this has been phenomenal. You've provided so much incredible value today. So thank you. If there's a man, I know, one sauce doesn't fit every meal, right? But for the men sitting there right now who do feel stuck, right? And who do feel confused as to the next step in their life. If you could share one message that could maybe shift their stuckness into a place of momentum, what would you say? Yeah. That's a powerful question. And, um, I think I would answer it in a few ways because, because there's, there's different ways to go at it. Do so. Um, Number one, the invitation would be to uh, sit with the pain of that stuckness, right? Similarly to what I was just speaking about, if you can fully be with the discomfort of that, uh, all the emotions related to that, without necessarily trying to fix it right away or change it, but just to be with it in a fully present awareness, often that's going to lead to something else, mm. uh, an insight or, or a new direction. Mm. So it's really important that we um, slow down enough in our lives to connect to ourselves because that's the, the, the answer's already there, you know, yeah. I know it's kind of like an age old saying, right. But the answer's within you, if you take the time to be with yourself. Mm. Um, and so that's one, one way to work with a sense of stuckness. Um, another possibility, and it, you know, this is general cause it's hard to know where men are at, but, um, you know, often we're stuck because we're, we keep doing things the same way, mm. right? So breaking a routine, you know, changing um, your route to work, right? Uh, changing what you have for breakfast, um, 
yeah, simple things, but um, yeah. changing how you move on your, you know, into get into bed, right? Changing the side of bed you get up and get up from in the morning. So, so you know, we get stuck because we are we're hardwired to fall into habits, right? Mm. Because the brain likes to take shortcuts and um and that's useful to a degree but it also conditions us around certain experiences mm. and 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 the more we are conditioned the less free we are to make new choices yeah and to experience new things in life wow and i love the last thing you shared there in relation to the simple things I personally, for everyone listening, have found that as the most effective way for me to create movement in my life that has often led to greater life changes just from one simple change, like you shared there, changing what I eat for breakfast, changing what I, the last thing I do before I go to bed, changing the first thing I do when I wake up, just those tiny little shifts. It's almost like you're waking up or going to bed or practicing a whole new version of life in those tiny little shifts. So- yeah. I love that. I love yeah, that. Absolutely. I, I mean, I'll just add one example to throw in. Like, you know, we, my partner and I have had our bedroom set up the same way for, you know, the last two and a half years or something. And, you know, a few days ago, we, we moved our bed. You know, we changed the orientation of the bed and it, it just brought in fresh energy. And mm-hmm. I think it helped us to feel more connected and, so just, you know, consider that, like change your space. I love that. I love that. So Omar, what we're going to do now is I'm going to transition into five questions we have from the You Choose Brotherhood, the You Choose community, um, and then we'll close this out. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the five questions first, and then we'll go back and we'll answer them one at a time. Okay. All right. So the first one's from Alex. He's from New York. He's 25 years old. And he said, for the past three years, I have felt as though there is not enough time in the day, almost every day. At the same time, I feel like I'm not going anywhere. How can I stop feeling so overwhelmed and instead find the space to place my energy in areas that will move the needle? That's the first one. Next one is Marcus. He's 21 from Florida. He said, I know the environment I'm in is holding me back, but I don't know whether it's worth the money to move out and pay rent on my own. Do I move out and swallow the cost? Or is there a way that I can make my environment work for me? Then we have two anonymous questions. Uh, This one is, this one says, I have been in a relationship for three years. I think you and I relate a lot to this one. I've been in a relationship for three years. For the past six months, I have been debating whether or not I should end it. I don't know whether I'm in love or just scared of being alone. How can I figure this out? Hmm. Fourth question. It says, I know I don't, this is a simple one. I know I don't love myself. What can I do to begin to proce- begin the process of falling in love with me? And then the fifth question is from Andy. He's 24 and he's from Texas. And he said, how do you tell your parents that you're going to follow a career path that they don't want you to follow and ask them to trust and support you even when you don't know if it will work out? Wow. These are all really powerful questions. Yeah. So let's take back. We're going to go back to the first one. We'll take them one at a time okay. and whatever comes yeah. to your heart. So Alex from New York, he's 25. He said, for the past three years, I felt as though there was not enough time in the day, almost every day. At the same time, I feel like I'm not going anywhere. How can I stop feeling so overwhelmed and instead find the space 
to place my energy in areas that will move the needle. Hmm. Yeah. And I, I can, I can certainly relate to that one. I've felt a sense of time scarcity many, at many points in my life. And, um, what really shifted it for me, uh, and I'll tie this back into some of what we spoke of earlier around choosing yourself. To hear the full answer to that question, as well as all the other answers to the questions I asked our guest today, head over to billygartonjr.com. Scroll down to the section that reads, are you looking for a place to figure it all out? Click on the button that reads count me in, fill out the information, and a member of my team will be sure to reach out to get you involved in the You Choose Brotherhood. Boy, will this brotherhood change your life. Community and connection meets courageous conversation. Monthly mastermind calls, bi-monthly brotherhood check-ins, mini courses, and answers to some of your life's greatest questions. We have it all in here. Head over to billygartonjr.com. Scroll down to the section that reads, are you looking for a place to figure it all out? Click on the button that reads, count me in, fill out the information. And a member of my team will be sure to reach out. Super excited to see you there. Before we close this out entirely, first and foremost, thank you for today. Thank you for the wisdom you've shared. Thank you for being here. Um, You've given an incredible amount of value to me. Uh, And I'm sure everybody listening as well. So, before we do close this out, I've been following you for a little while. You put out some amazing things. Where can people find you and what do you have going on currently? Yeah, so currently I'm just wrapping up a 12-week program and I'll be launching another one in the fall and not 100% sure on um, what I'm going to be offering. Um, it's either going to be on relationships and creating deeper intimacy and relationship. Um, uh, it could be another version of what we just did, which is the uh, something called the Reset, which is, was a 12-week program to support men to, to take all these kind of vices and escape mechanisms off the table for a period of time so they mm-hmm. can get deeper in touch with themselves, which has been super powerful for the men. Um, so... Stay tuned to me on Instagram. I would say that's the best way to track what's new and what I'm offering. And that is the.essential.man. And you can also check out my website, which is www.theessentialman.net. Beautiful. Beautiful. Soma, again, thank you so much. To everybody else listening, if you have not subscribed by now to the You Choose podcast, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and please leave a review if you have not yet. I never thought that we'd have gotten to the place that we have when I first began this podcast. And so your support is incredibly humbling. Your words of wisdom have meant so much to me and your encouragement have also meant the absolute world. So, and how I'll close this out is how I always close this out, which is above everything we've spoken about today when you're stuck, when you're lost, when you're confused, it's so often that we've forgotten that we have the power to choose this life. So just make the next choice. You choose. We'll see you next week. Mm.